people in our in our church and our family. You know, the body has to be the body, and we need to know the different parts if the body's going to function well. And you don't know anybody better when they tell you a little bit of their story and we get a little bit of an insight into what has helped shape and form them, what their passions and desires are. And it's great to be able to take some time to do that. It's great uh, to have you with us this morning if you're uh, visiting and missed Kate's welcome at the start. You're really, really welcome. It's great to have you here. We're um, on a series over the last uh, summer month, weeks, sorry, of uh, months, July and August, of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's been great to uh, do that together and to, to be led in that. Um, I personally have really found it a gift, even just studying it again and what it's um, done and meant in my life. Um, We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit in the last couple of weeks, um, but I kind of want to break into the middle of that, if that's all right. We got through sort of four or five of the attributes last um, week, Um, and I think what we might do is finish those next week, because I want to talk about uh, this morning about how we receive the Holy Spirit, how we're filled with the Holy Spirit, clear up maybe some of the confusion that we have in that. But before I do that, just a brief brief recap. The the reason that we're looking at the... um, this theme of the Holy Spirit is we really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move in new ways in our in our church, in our land, in our, in our nation. We didn't plant the church because we thought it would be good to have a nice thing on a Sunday here. We, we felt God wanted us to uh, join ranks, come together to help steward as a family, a fresh move of the Spirit. We feel that God really longs to do something in this town and throughout this nation beyond what we've seen before. And that's not just dangling a carrot in front of people, but that is what we're living for. It's what we're living for. It's what, what, we're, what we what we want to give the rest of our lives to see more than anything else. And, um, and so I suppose what we felt is often the Holy Spirit can sometimes be the person of the Godhead that's a little bit misunderstood. You know, we understand a bit of what it might mean to be God the Father or, or you know, be able to relate to that, if that's the way to put it. And then we, we understand because we've got the Gospels and we can see what Jesus looked like and who he is. But the Holy Spirit is one that sometimes we... What, what, what exactly is it? And, uh, and I think the thing that we've been trying to help you realize is it's not an it at all, it's a person. It's a, a personality of the Godhead who brings to us the love of the Father and the Son. And uh, he is working in us uh, once we come, uh, well, before we even come to salvation. He's working on us and pursuing us. And then we are born by the Spirit, something new happens to us. And we get to partake in a life of sonship where we're adopted into the family of God. We understand our sonship as sons and daughters of the living God. We, we know that God is our Abba. He's our Father. The Spirit helps us understand that. And more than that, he wants to lead us in partaking of the divine nature, right? That's one of the things we've been saying a lot over the last few weeks. We get to partake in the nature of God himself. God wants to form his character and his nature within us so that we reflect Jesus all in our individual and unique ways. And what we've been learning is life in the Spirit, therefore, doesn't mean that we're just trying to be good Christians or good people or attain some level of morality. Those may be associated with Christianity, but first and foremost, God isn't. God didn't come to help us control our sinful acts. First and foremost, he came to birth something new within us. He came not to control outward acts, but to change the very source itself. That where we get our life, that where we get our guidance, that where we get our direction in life comes from a different source altogether. It comes from the very heart of God. 
And, the, and so we want to continue to walk in the Spirit, to maintain unity with the Spirit. And so I have focused quite a lot over the last few weeks on how we develop a life, a life like Jesus lived, that has certain practices in it that enable us to maintain unity with the Father. Because if Jesus had all of these practices in his life, if Jesus practiced prayer and discipline, but all in a kind of way that was normal and natural and not like stuffy and wooden, it was like, Life. It was life-given, but he, he had these things in his life to help him maintain unity with the Father, and so should we. And so we want to get practical about this and put things in our lives that help us, because there's all sorts of things that want us to get out of step with the Spirit, right? There's the temptations of life. There's the accusations and temptations of the enemy. There's all sorts of things that want us to get out of step with the Spirit, but we want to be people that stay in step with the Spirit, that mature into Christ's likeness. We actually are supposed to become like Jesus. Actually. Right? We're supposed to look like Christ. And you don't get there by just showing up on a Sunday and hoping that almost by osmosis something might happen and you might like it happens by daily walking with Jesus and putting certain things in our lives that create a space, not that we can tick a box and feel all great about ourselves because we did our discipline for the day, but the discipline becomes the place of encounter. The discipline comes the place of righteousness, joy, and peace, because that's what life in the Holy Spirit is. And so um, we've been, so it's not legalistic. It's not, it's not the works of the flesh, as we've talked about. It's, it's, it's life in the Spirit. And we took this all a bit further to, been, to unpack what it really means. What does it really look like? And that's where the Bible's great, because as much as the encounter is amazing and we sense the Holy Spirit, the Bible, which is inspired by the Spirit, is really good at kind of grounding us in what this actually looks like. It looks like something. So, for example, it looks like uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Meekness and self-control, right? So you can talk about having an encounter with the Lord, but if this is not the fruit of that encounter, then it wasn't an encounter with the Lord. Then it was an adrenaline rush. Then it was something else you got caught up in, right? But it needs to look like something. Encounter needs to lead to maturity. And it looks like the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is Jesus. That's what it is. And it looks like, ultimately, a life of love, a life of agape love, a life of self-sacrificial love, a life of love that is <clears throat> not about what we can get, but a love about what we lay down. And so over the last, um, over last week and the week before with Stephen, we, we've looked at some of the fruit of the Spirit and covered love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness. And, and then next week I might look a little bit more goodness, faithful, meekness, self-control. But ultimately what we tried to say to you last week is love is the first of them. And all of them... Um, are attributes of agape love. So there's nine for it all together. All, the first one's love for a reason, because the greatest of these is love. And all the rest of them are like shades of love, like a light hitting a prism, right? That reflects into all the colors of the rainbow. Yeah? Love, agape love, Christ-like, covenant-keeping, loving people when you don't like to love them, loving them when you don't feel like loving, loving when there's nothing in it for you to love them for, that kind of love. All of those reflections will be things like joy and peace and goodness and self-control and meekness. And we become, we, become like, we become like Christ, okay? But what, what I really want to get to this morning is to say, in all of the fruit of the Spirit, 
They come around, incidentally, because we, we just hang out with Jesus. Right? We abide in the vine. We often say, you know, a, a branch doesn't have to do an awful lot, actually. It just needs to make sure it's still abiding in the, in the vine, in the trunk, if you like. And by doing that, it will bear fruit. So <clears throat> it's not what it's not is. It's not you kind of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, just developing like a good attitude and like a bit of self-will, and you will do this. Right, Our will is really, really important in the process. We have to engage the free will that God has given us in the process. But ultimately, the transformation does not come from us reading self-help books or listening to a TED Talk motivational speech. Right, All those things are good in themselves, but they're not where the change comes from. They just they make the, you know, give us goosebumps and all of that kind of thing, and we feel a bit better, but they don't change us. Right? They will not transform us. I've lived long enough now to have seen all those things, to be at university, to hear all the different philosophies and schools of thought and all the different things that people are trying to do today to make themselves feel better. It's like in these days, if you eat this and drink this and don't eat this and all of those things, and those things in themselves are really, really important. But if we don't come at them from a godly mindset, with a biblical worldview, we just get caught in another thing or the latest fad or whatever it is. Because change and transformation comes from abiding in Jesus. Because in and of myself, no matter how good it looks on the outside, there isn't good resident in me, (laughs) in my sinful human nature. And it might look good in the surface, but if you scratch under the surface, there's all sorts of selfish motives that motivate that. There's all sorts of motives that want to impress you and all sorts of insecurities that I want to get over in doing that. And so I have to realize that the change that I'm looking for that can only come, can only come, sorry, in and through the person of, of Jesus. And so as we abide in Christ, because we need the Spirit. And so what I want to talk to you in the rest of the time, and I'd love to pray at the end today, uh, is about the infilling of the Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because the key to our effectiveness in Jesus and, and witnessing Him in the world is, is understanding how to be transformed by His love and transformed by His power. The Spirit of God working with our wills, with our free will, because we lovingly give it to Him to change and transform us into the person of Jesus. And so what I would want to say is we want to allow the Holy Spirit to have unrestricted access to our lives. And why I want to talk about this and why we need to talk about it is because if I'm being really honest, some of us don't want to. And that's partly because there's things that we just like to do still with our lives. We actually haven't fully given up control to Jesus. And uh, and so hopefully there's a challenge for, for that this morning. But I think for other people, it's just fear. It's just fear. And for still other people, it's you just haven't been taught properly about it. And so there's all kinds of like distortion when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. But well, let me say this. Jesus was zero resistant to the Spirit. Zero resistant. He walked about fully immersed in the, per, in the Holy Spirit. Everything he did <clears throat> was the will of the Father inspired through and by the Spirit. And this is why Jesus is so excited for us. And was so excited for the early church because he said, I need to go so the Holy Spirit can come. 
Excuse me. And Jesus was really, really, really excited about the Holy Spirit coming, even though the disciples were like, how could this be good? Jesus is going. But the same Spirit that was upon Jesus was going to come not just on one person, on Jesus, but on, on everyone to change and transform us so that we could all become those little Jesuses. And that sounds almost maybe irreverent, but that's God's idea for us. You know, and that is God's idea for us, that we would become like him. That we would be the temples of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talked about the promise of the Father. This is the promise of the Father. My, my girls are young and, you know, you know, I always have maybe told you before, but, you know, every time I go away at the moment, it's like, Dad, are you going to bring us a present to him? And if you, if you promise them something, you know, that's what they're hanging on. That's what we're living for. And if you can go back to that time when you were young, the promise of Daddy. The promise of the Father. And I love the fact that Jesus would talk about the Holy Spirit. He's the promise from the Father. It's going to, you're going to need to trust him. And so Jesus would have said to the early church, which he would say to us now, is the one I told you is coming. Don't quench him. Don't resist him. Don't grieve him. Welcome him. Welcome all of who the person, the beautiful person of the Holy Spirit is. Surrender your heart to him because he will make Jesus beautiful. In your sight, because that's his job. He will not draw attention to himself, but he will glorify me. But as I say, there's often confusion when it comes to what it means to be filled, or when we hear the phrase, the baptism of the Spirit. And so let me just address that, and then we're going to pray for people this morning. Um, Hopefully by now you know that when people get saved, as we talk about, or people come to salvation, a part of the package, if that's the crude way of saying it, a part of the package of salvation is the Holy Spirit. You can't get genuinely saved without the Holy Spirit. When you accept what Jesus has done for you and how his sacrifice is atoned for your sin, you ask him into your heart, he comes and makes his home in you. Here's a few scriptures that help us understand this. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. It is, in fact, the Spirit of God who dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. You can't be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you, right? Although you've just morphed into some kind of behavior modification, right? If, if you're saved, you're genuinely saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. He is the one who's led you to salvation. Uh, Romans 8 uh, sorry, that was Romans 8. John the Baptist, speaking about Jesus, said, I will I baptize you with water for, for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worried, worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> You're baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. To be baptized with the Holy Spirit is a complete rebirthing, Right? As I said before, born again seems like a, it, it, it's been kind of unfortunately taken by the world and made to feel associated with something else, the term born again. But let's never lose it because that's essentially what happened to us. We were born again. We were born again by the Spirit of God. right? Something beyond us and outside of us, the love of God by His Spirit, grabbed hold of our lives, and we handed over control of our own lives to him, repented of our sin, and by the Spirit, we're born from the deepest part of who we are. We're born again. A new creation has started to form. It's what the old preachers talked about, regeneration. Something has regenerated in our lives. It's like a new operating system has taken on. A whole new software program has been installed inside of you 
The hardware might initially look the same, but the software is completely new. It's a whole new thing altogether. And the amazing thing about God is, you know, even the hardware starts to change over time. You ever see that? You know, somebody comes in and down and depressed, and you can see it on their face. And yet, as the new software takes place, as the Holy Spirit starts to talk, and we start to see joy and kindness come back into their eyes, their countenance starts to change and shape because the glory of the Lord starts to not just initiate in our spirit, but works its way through our whole bodies. Beautiful thing, right? But that's what's happened. Something new has started to happen. And the Spirit of God has grabbed hold of our life. And here's what I want to get to today, a part of what I want you to grab. It should look like life. It should look like life in all of its fullness. It should look like something that some days you can't even hold it back because it's so strong within you. Jesus prophesied this kind of living. He said in John chapter 7, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, if you're longing for something, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Look at this. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not been glorified. So Jesus is saying, if you're thirsty... If there's something that you know that your life needs that you haven't got yet, it's me. (laughs) This is what you were born for. And it's going to flow out of your innermost being. It's going to be more than any adrenaline rush, any kick, any kind of thing that another person can give you where you feel all loved up and it feels all gooey and all of that, but then you kind of wake up one day and realize it's not like that forever because that person can't give you what only Jesus can give you. And it's going to be a life that's going to gush from your innermost being. And it's going to flow out of you. This is what Jesus said life in the Spirit is all about. This is the kind of life that I want you to have. And it comes from an unlimited supply. Jesus would say later, his Spirit is without measure. And we'll get to this in a moment or two, that it's unending. That every day that we can be filled with the Spirit of God, in whom there is no measure. He gives a Spirit without measure. And this is what... We need, this is what this town needs. The life of Jesus. Not dead religion. Not a form of godliness. The life of the Spirit. Bubbling up from inside. It's so strong within us at times that we can't even hold it back in our bones. This is what shaped and this is what initiated the church. This is what turns a card like Peter who runs away when Jesus is being crucified into a man that can stand before 3,000 people and proclaim but boldly The gospel of Jesus. 3,000 people can come to know Jesus in a day. This is the life of the Spirit. And so what I want to say is, this can happen to us. I think it can happen. Because I don't think we should box God into too many formulas. I think this can happen at salvation for people. For some people it does. It, um, It might come as a physical sensation. It might not. Because first and foremost, we receive by faith. Right? We receive by faith. And uh, we'll pray today. And, and if some of you want to receive the Spirit again, you're going to receive by faith. Feelings may come, but they might not. Okay? They may come later, and that's okay. Because first and foremost, we receive, like our salvation, by faith. But as you've probably found out, so I think while it can happen at salvation, what I would say is often I've found on this journey of, of, of walking with Jesus, 
While the Holy Spirit is in me from that very point, often I just don't understand how good he is. Often along, I haven't realized all that he wants to do in me. I haven't realized how he wants to light up my life with his presence. So I got saved when I was a little boy and I went to church every week and I knew I needed to be a good boy and do the things that Jesus wanted me to and that got me into heaven. But I didn't know that the Holy Spirit wanted to flood my life with power. I didn't know that church could be fun. I didn't know that the joy of the Lord wanted to overcome me. I didn't know that I could like hear God and the gifts of the Spirit could be fluid in my life and fluent and I could prophesy the word of the Lord and I could bring words of... I didn't know any of that. And so while the Spirit was in me, I needed infilled. I needed, I needed an encounter of the Spirit just to know how beautiful He is. Wonderful He is and all that He wants to do in me. And so what I have experienced, my own experience, and I think for many of you, um, <clears throat> not to presume with everyone, but I think for many of you, my experience is that often we know the Holy Spirit in an assurance kind of way, a positional type of way, if that makes sense. We, we know we're not going to hell because... You know, Jesus has saved us, and we know we're children of God, because that's what, that's what we've been taught. So a lot of this, I would say, is down to inadequate teaching, and that's not to sound critical, but you just think that's the fact, right? It's been inadequate understanding and teaching of what the fullness of the Holy Spirit looks like in our lives. But we don't necessarily know why. We know it in that positional kind of way. We don't know. We don't, we've never encountered the love. The love and the power of God coursing through our veins, pulsing through our veins, lighting up our lives, animating us with his life. And so the Spirit is in you, but often we're not aware of all it could mean, all it could be possible. He is in us, but we don't know that we are in him. And we've maybe never encountered that we are in him. Sometimes we use all human metaphors are only kind of limited, as I often say. But, you know, sometimes you think of a glass, if you can imagine a glass full of water. I think a lot of Christians are like, like a cup or a glass with water in it. They, they, the Holy Spirit's in them. They're, they're saved. They're going to heaven, all of that. But what they don't know is the life that they could have, if you can imagine taking that glass with water in it and put it in a basin full of water and imagine that the tap's flowing into the cup and the cup is overflowing, Right? That's a wholly different picture than an isolated cup with some water in it. Right? This is what it could mean to be immersed, fully immersed, baptized in the Spirit. We're not, he is not just in us, but we are in him. This is what I think John the Baptist was talking about. And so Paul in his letters, I think this is backed up, Paul in his letters talks about the Holy Spirit in an objective kind of positional way. He does do that. And it's important for us to have that underlying biblical theological understanding of who we are in God in a positional type way, right? So we are sons of God. This is what the Spirit has done for us. But he also talks about the Spirit in a more subjective kind of way. If I can use, he talks about what it's like and refers to the Holy Spirit filling us in a way that's tangible and visible. Even though the Spirit's invisible, it has visible results. It does something to our beings. Paul talks, he talks about the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit. He talks about hope rising up in our hearts, right? The hope of God by the Spirit, right? Now, I don't think he meant that when he said that, he was sitting there thinking, if we could just get them to know this in their heads, that'll be enough. 
No, no. He was talking about what it means. So let me use a human example. I, 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 I'm going to my mom's for dinner again, right? You know, I talked about that last week, right? It was my birthday last week, so I had an excuse, right? It just sounds bad because two weeks in a row, okay? Uh, anyway, I'll go down there, and I know my dad. And I, obviously, and in a positional type of way, I know him as son. You don't, you don't need me to, you know, I, I just know, you know, in a, he's my dad, I'm his son. That's what the birth certificate says, and all of that, I belong to my dad. I know him. I don't know if it'll happen, it probably will, because he usually does it, but probably today at some point, my dad will hug me. And, he, and you know, sometimes, I'm 39, last Monday, wink, wink, all right? <laughs> and uh, we might watch a bit of football this afternoon, and if I'm sitting beside him, he will probably put his hand on my knee, or hold my hand. Now, I'm 39, I'm a grown man, right? But something happens when he does that. Something, something happens, I encounter something. And it's just become so normal, to be honest, I probably take it for granted. And I'm not saying that we all have to be ultra-tactile. I'm not saying because we all express that in different ways. But what I'm trying to say to you is something happens in that moment beyond just me knowing I'm his son. Something floods my being. I belong to him. Now, imagine even for those of you who are maybe in a relationship or a spouse or whatever, like, you know, if you, you know, like I, I, you know, I tell Rachel I love her most days, but, you know, if you know you can you can say that in a position you know you're you know you know you're mar- you know don't you you know but you said it's, well it's about it's not about the feelings all the time no it's not about the feelings all the time it's about loving beyond the feelings but here's the other thing if there's no feelings if you never feel it then you're asking yourself a whole other different set of questions aren't you and and so you have to it's it's both and so we know who we are and I think for most Christians right they have this positional objective understanding of the spirit. And then Daddy God, Abba in heaven, is up there going, I just long to pour my love into them. I love to hold them close. Pour it in. This is what it is to encounter the Spirit of God. The infilling of the Spirit. And for those of you who, when I just share a story like that, and you think, my dad would never do that. Or I don't even have a dad anymore, and I'd love that. God is your dad. And even for me, who is so blessed in that reality, right? God, Dad's not my God. God is. So I have to actually go beyond him. Because someday he'll not be here. And while that will be awful, I don't even really want to think about it. The reality is I don't want to go to pieces after that forever and ever and ever. I want to still have a heart strong to live for Jesus. I don't want my identity to be so much in his love for me that... I can't live for Jesus anymore because he's gone. Yeah, I want to I wanna live for Jesus and I want to know the reality of his love in my life. And so I need to go beyond him to receive afresh. Here's the thing, every day, every single day, a fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. This is what the Spirit brings us. The Spirit brings us the lived reality of what it means. The lived reality. So we made that. So I, I'll know my dad in the position. When he does that, the lived reality of what it means to be his son does something in my heart at that point. Yeah? And, and so the Spirit does this. He brings the lived reality, the very present day. And you might have heard this, you know, you might have heard this 30 years ago. 
but you need to hear it today again. You know, like I, I'm older, the more older I get, the more insecure I feel. I'm like just a big insecure boy. And I'm like, God, I, I need your, I need your love. I need your love. I need your love constantly in my life. I need to feel and be flooded with your love to be the person that you call me to be. I don't want to live for everybody else's expert. I don't want to fulfill what everybody, you know, I, I want to be who you have called me to be. So the Holy Spirit, what I'm trying to say in all of this is I'm trying to probably say some of you need to give yourself permission for an encounter. Give yourself permission for an encounter of the love of God. Because the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is invisible, but he's not intangible. We feel his effects in our lives. And so don't worry if sometimes you're like, like, what's the Holy Spirit look like and all of that, or it seems a bit vague, because there's a sense in which that is true. It's, it's hard to kind of, in a physical form, understand what the Holy Spirit looks like. But don't worry too much about that because I've said this before. Let me remind you, you would never, you would, it doesn't seem weird. So if I go down to the family today like, and I just talk in a positional kind of objective, it was great. She's my sister. He's my, he's my dad. Those are my nieces and nephews. It's, if that was what I told you when I came back, you'd be like, well, that sounds great, but it sounds a bit boring. But if I said, no, the family spirit, I just, it was what a great holiday because we were together. And, you know, what you're actually describing there is the spirit of the relationships. Does that make sense? And so, and, and, and anyway, most of your lives is governed now by things that are invisible, but they're not intangible. Yeah? You use the internet. Like, where's that? Where, yeah, where, you know, you store things in the iCloud. Where does that exist? You know, we, we live in ways by things that we can't see. And the Spirit is, is like that, but in a much more deeper, profound, and personal, intimate way. He's, he's guiding your lives. He's in us, and he's on us, and, he, and he's around us. And he wants to affect and light up our lives. And so we don't need to be fearful. We would, because some of us would rather he would stay invisible and intangible and not mess with our lives too much because we want to be in control. And today, the Lord, I think, is invitation to us is, why the control? Why the control? Because if you're afraid of God, like, you know, you're afraid of God, or you're, there's, there's things that you just want to stay in control of, that are just, just independent about, the Lord just wants to say, listen, that's how you quench the spirit. You don't quench the spirit necessarily by going, well, you do if you go, I don't want you, obviously. But most of the time, the way we quench the spirit is we just stay in control of the things that we want to stay in control of our lives because we're afraid of getting hurt again. We don't trust. We've, we've been hurt so many times we've, defe- we've developed all these different defensive mechanisms to make sure that we don't ever again. What we do is we just keep God out. And he's the most gentle being in the world that wants in his love to you know, just break down every wall and flood us with his love. And so it will become an effect on life. So why, this is why Paul would say, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting that Paul contrasts wine with the Spirit, isn't it? He contrasts intoxication with the Spirit. I find that interesting. Obviously, he doesn't want us to get drunk with wine, but I think that's interesting that he chooses that. Because, you see, when you get filled with the Spirit, it's a whole other type of intoxication bubbles up inside you. That's why people speak in tongues. And some of you think, it just sounds like gobbledygook to me. And it kind of is. <laughs> to you. But to them, it's just 
the gushing of the Spirit from your innermost being. You can't express it. It's words that are beyond expressing. That's why people laugh. That's why the joy of the Lord takes over. That's why sometimes people weep. Because something happens of the Spirit inside us. It is released. It releases joy in our, in our hearts and our lives. I love this quote from an old church father, I think. Or, well, not church father, but some important dude. When the Holy Spirit descends upon a person and overshadows them with the fullness of his outpouring, that person's soul overflows with a joy not to be described, for the Holy Spirit turns to joy whatever he touches. And so for me, the rendering of that passage is actually a proper rendering of being filled with the Spirit is actually the Greek word implies go on being filled or to be constantly filled with the Spirit. And so um, that's our responsibility to put ourselves in a place where we can receive that. And so some days in this journey, that constant infilling, some days on that journey, what I'm trying to say to you is, you get, when you get the Spirit's power, you get overpowered. That's why sometimes people hit the deck, right? Now, I know some of us think that is just weird, right? And it probably does look a bit weird. Like, you know, if the security man looked in here, you know, it probably would look weird. But like, you know, we, you know, we just need to chill with some of that stuff because the reality is this, right? Like, I'm all on for order, and I haven't got time to do a whole passage on how we steward all of this properly, right? But the reality is, if God is all-powerful, like all-powerful, and his spirit comes on you on par, the reality is sometimes it will feel like there's electricity pulsing through your body and you cannot hold it back. It would make sense to me that sometimes I feel a little bit overpowered by the God who is all-powerful. It would make sense to me that I would feel overwhelmed with love. Like I could cry and I could weep and I could like be almost something like breaking inside me. It would, make me. it would make sense to me when you actually even think about it logically that I could be almost so overwhelmed with love from the God who is all loving. <laughs> he just comes on, on us. And I'm not saying it's like that every day. It's not. But there are times when he comes on us. And so what the problem is what happens, and I'm going to have to... Can I tell you this up? Because I want to pray. Uh, the problem is what happens is, and where the confusion has kicked in, this happens to people and it happens to them after salvation. And it's genuine. Right? But what they do is, they think this is the way it should be for everyone. They develop their own little doctrine around their own individual experience and then they preach it like everybody else should do it the way they did. Right? That's where the problem comes in. But that's not, and, and the, but the reality is we're all different people, we're all unique. And so then we try to like argue about a doctrine rather than concentrate on just being filled. Right? But this kind of thing happened in the Bible as well. Haven't got time to read it. Acts 19, there's a bunch of people that have been saved. Paul shows up and they're all like reading the scriptures, they're saved. Paul talks to them about the Holy Spirit and they're like, who's he? And Paul actually prays for them, prays, lays hands on them. Verse 6 of Acts 19 says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied something opened up inside them. This doesn't mean that they're less holy. This doesn't necessarily even mean they're less Christian. But does it mean they're less effective? Yes, I think it does. I think it means they're less effective in the things of God if we're not people who are infilled with the Holy Spirit. And for those of us who have had that encounter of the Spirit and love to talk about our second blessing and the time all this happened, I want to ask you, what was your third one like and your fourth one and your fifth one and your sixth one? What was your infilling like this morning? Right? 
because we're to be constantly filled. The point is that we are people alive in the spirit, filled with his presence every day, not necessarily arguing about who got it when and what and how and all of that, right? We just want to be people filled with the spirit of God and living in the fullness of his life. And so what we have to do, though, is we, we have to go back to the place of daily putting ourselves in a place where we can receive the Spirit. Just receive the Spirit. And we learn how to die every morning. We just lay, lay our lives down and ask the Spirit to come upon us in power. And some mornings, you know, every morning we can encounter the love of the Lord. I, I don't really like to leave my ideas, to leave, my, to leave the house <clears throat> some mornings to do, but I don't really like to leave the house just before kind of hearing the words of the, affirm, the affirmation of the Father being spoken over me. But then there's other days, and often when I'm in a corporate gathering where it comes on me in the most, it's not just that the Holy Spirit's in me, he's on me. I, I can feel the sensation of who he is. But we have to discipline ourselves often to put ourselves in that place. Um, Last, uh, last, couple, last month, R- Rachel and I went over to um, Edinburgh for 24 hours and we were <clears throat> um, running around like with no kids, like two young things, um, around the streets of Edinburgh. And then we were, I was supposed to go over and see Andrea, somebody know Andrea Wigglesworth, and uh, it sort of worked out that they couldn't go the original time and then this time I went with Rachel. And so before uh, I, I like just to meet Andrea and chat some things through with her, before, so instead of talking about me, we talked about us. And uh, <clears throat> not that anything was wrong, but just because we just talked about us. And I was like, Andre, I, I, you know, we're both really busy in life. There's lots of things that we still want to do, but we've got kids to raise and we, we want to love each other well. And just how can we do this better? Help us think through how we have capacity to contain the things that we think. Got. That was kind of our conversation. In the course of that conversation, there was things that we said to each other. But I wasn't expecting to say to each other, you know, the way you think everything's right and fine, right? And we said some things to each other. And some of those things initially were a wee bit like, oh, I didn't realize I was making you feel like this. Or, or you know, and vice versa. And in the midst of that, we were kind of letting some stuff go and having to relinquish a wee bit of the control of how we wanted the relationship to work. And I was having to, like, say sorry for some things. And essentially, I suppose, it was, you, we were dying to some things personally you know it wasn't always easy to kind of hear we were there for like 24 hours so but you know what when we got on the train the way home I, even though it was like it was great but it wasn't always like nice here and everything when i looked at rich on the way home the train i thought you know what i, I want to marry you all over again do you, do you know what i mean like i'm not saying I'm a, I'm a brilliant romantic i'm not at all right you know if um, rich was you know here should say something completely different probably but in that moment what i'm trying to say is in that moment in that moment, there was a rush of that encounter. But we had to die to some stuff. We had to hear some stuff. We had to like get off the throne of our own hearts, the expectations that we placed them on, in order to receive. Like It was like a fresh intrusion of why we love each other in the first place. And, uh, and so I think when we f- receive the Spirit, that's what he does. He wants to just... But we, we have to like daily put ourselves before Jesus and, and die to some stuff. Because when we don't die, we quench him. And we resist him. And so, every now and again, so for me that was like Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about in our lives at these times where God wants to flash flood us with his love and his power. And um, 
So that's what it is. That's what happened to me in a, in a human kind of way. That day I just felt flash flooded with love. It was like, let's run away together. <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, it was that kind of like love's young dream all over again. You know, it was like, you know, it was just something flash flooded my heart, you know. And, and that happens. And some of us hopefully know what that means from time to time, right? But with the Lord, that's what he wants to do. He wants to flash flood. And I just feel like for some of us today, because the Lord wants to flash flood this time. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if he flash flooded poured it down? All its history, all it's done, he just flash flooded with love and power and presence. What would it be like? You know, we could only dream. It would be amazing. And that's what we're living for. But if he's going to do it out there, he has to do it in here, you know. And, and so I want to finish. Maybe Caroline will come and just play. I just want to say a few things. The Spirit of God comes... Not for God give us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And so for some of us today, he wants to bring, and we just go through all that. So yeah, why the control? Why, why the sense of control? You, you might need to relinquish something today. He wants to flood our hearts with love. Right? Flash flood our hearts with love, because that's who he is. Not a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And he wants to flash flood them with power. Power and boldness to be about his work, to endure through difficult times and suffering religion can't cope <laughs> with this kind of stuff it can't cope with the freedom that that brings because religion is an activity that never gets to our heart and so I, I just want to encourage you this morning as we finish to think about deep crying on the deep and, and the Holy Spirit when he comes upon us he can come in a few different ways just he can come like oil it can be like healing and equipping and empowering soothing some of us are, Kate kind of lent into this at the end of the worship. Some of us are, are hurting this morning. And the Holy Spirit can come like the, the most soothing kind of oil into those places and bring a sense that all can be well, even though we feel that pain. And then to some of us, it may come like water. We, we feel just a little bit dry, maybe even a little bit dirty. And the Holy Spirit comes to cleanse and to refresh and to nourish us and wash us. And, and he can come on us like fire. Sometimes it feels like we're burning up inside when we need passion. Some of us need a renewed passion, a renewed energy in our beings to live for God. And, and then for others, it just feels like we need the wind of God. We need, we need, it's just all become a bit too predictable our lives. And we need the wind of the Spirit just to blow again. That wildness of God. We put him under control for far too long. And he wants to come and blow on us. Some of us are maybe on the precipice of stepping out in a new adventure of a, of a new career move or of a new house or whatever it might be. We're not quite sure, but we need the breath of his Spirit. And so as we, as we come to the Lord this morning and pray, you know, this is what we maybe just do in these moments. Just Check out whether there's anything obvious in your life, just for a few seconds. Is there anything that would be causing you to resist the Spirit at the moment? It could be unconfessed sin. If that's the case, just just give it to Jesus. It might be for the very first time coming to Jesus this morning. I think even just as I say that, I feel like there is, you know, potentially even at least one person that just this morning just you're coming to receive the Holy Spirit you're coming for salvation too and it's all going to come as one kind of package but it might be for some of us just a sense of we just have loved to be in control for far too long and we've developed a few defensive mechanisms and the Holy Spirit has maybe just revealed and showed them to you this morning
So just give them to Jesus. And then, so yeah, just do that first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through the second one. Just Holy Spirit, just come now and speak to us, Lord. We just want to give you anything that would be resisting more of your Spirit's flow and life in our lives. Come and, come and reveal yourself to us. Come in the gentle ways, even as Jenny described earlier, about the gentle ways you just come and kind of challenge us and tell us to, to give you our to give you something, to give you more of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Just increase your presence now, Holy Spirit. that and you give that to the Lord just just ask now Holy Spirit would you come and fill me Luke 11 says what father among you if a son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him he's a good father he's got a great promise for you this morning Ask him, Holy Spirit, would you come in? Fill me afresh. And then just as we stand to sing in a moment, just go with God. Allow your emotions to engage parts of you that have felt locked away for a while. Remember that God always respects the Holy Spirit, the perfect gentleman, as I said. He always respects our personalities, the unique ways that we will express them. He'll never force himself on you in that way. It's all by invitation. It's all because it's love. Try and overcome the mind control scenario. Try and not try to work it all out necessarily in your head. Let your heart be the primary way that you engage with God now. Trust and believe that when you ask God, he's, he's given whether or not there are immediate signs or not. And then, as we leave here today, just keep on being filled daily with the Spirit. But why, why don't we stand? Can we stand? We're just going to sing a song here. We just re- reach out to the Lord. Could you do that? Um, we just want to hold your hands out or stretch your hands out, just if you're comfortable. As Caroline leads us, let's just ask the Spirit to fall afresh in us again.